This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and here I am with my always developing co-host, Jon. Hello, Jon. Always developing, which means I'm underdeveloped. You're calling me dumb. That's a <laughs> nice way to start a podcast, dear co-host. Well, in that case, we should start talking about your experience, <laughs> or rather, the experience of people in the developer survey for Stack Overflow in 2022. We're back. And this time we're talking about, uh, we're still on the developer profile section, but we're talking experience now. Yes, the first graph we have here is the number of years people have been coding. What's your take on this? Uh, after nine years, development gets really boring and I'd rather do with something else. <laughs> and that's from a non-developer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do kind of agree because I'm not going to say development, software development is an entry-level job, but it is something that people can start their careers with and then grow further up into whatever branch they want to do. I mean, I started as a developer a long, long time ago and at a certain time... In a galaxy pivoted, far, far away? Uh, I wish. And then pivoted into the solution architecture and pre-sales. So I'm assuming this will happen for more people. And yeah, writing software for 10 years, I, I still think it's a very undervalued job, to be honest. It's very hard. You need to know a lot. You need to work hard. And yeah. So I, I do have that my, my uh, do it for 10 years and then do something else is a little bit flippant. I do have another option or answer, mm -hmm. which is that more people have gone into software development uh, over the last 10 years, for example. Um, and therefore, you know, there's been this huge swell of developers. Uh, actually, that sounded wrong. There's been a huge increase in the number of developers um, that sort of have, have shifted this over time. Yeah, I would have expected a bump a little bit um, further down. I mean, last 10 years, I mean, 2022, I'd say that the big bump in developer becoming a, a real job and something you get make money off, it's like in the when year was, when, was, when was Steve Ballmer kind of jumping around on stage shouting developers, developers, developers? I don't know. That's an era of Microsoft <laughs> I tried to ban from my mind, to be honest. But that's more than 10 years ago. It is, yeah. So I would expect that to be more in the twenty-year range. I, I don't know. I again, world's worst developer, but I have a suspicion that it is that the number of development roles has just massively increased over the last decade, and mm -hmm. this is sort of the the result. But. Uh, just clicked on the average by top 10 countries, which is basically how many years people have been coding in these countries on average, I'm assuming. Doesn't really mm -hmm. say a lot of uh, detail here. US and UK are at the top, then Canada, then the Netherlands. Hey, even though I'm Belgium, I live in the Netherlands now, so I can claim it as my own. <laughs> but look at the bottom here, India. Uh, only yeah. seven years I mean, on average, and that's where a huge boom of developers happened, of course. So maybe it's and, caused by the outsourcing craze. And that's what I'm saying. Like the, the huge increase in people means the average is, I mean, we say low. I mean, that's still top 10 countries. There's a very long tail of, 
of countries below that, I'm sure. But um, yeah, that's what I'm saying in terms of the, there's been such a massive influx of new developers that that's taken the sort of the average down. Okay. Anything else on this one? Nope. And we got the same thing, coding professionally, which I think we can just skip over because it's just the yeah, same yeah. details and a little bit different. Uh, I mean, the bar's a bit higher up because people start as a non-professional, but that's about mm -hmm. it. Uh, yeah, this is where I had a bit of a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> Years of professional coding experience by developer type. And believe it or not, people who aren't watching on YouTube, you really should be watching on YouTube. The highest scoring developer type, according to Stack Overflow, is the senior executive C-suite VP, etc. No wonder the world's going to crap. <laughs> Which I think makes sense because people that have risen to that senior exec level have been probably developing for a very long time. And so it's not surprising to me that some of them, if, even if you just look down the list of, of job titles, you know, below senior exec, you've got engineering manager, another pretty senior role. Um, and, you know, the further you go down the, the list, um, you get into uh, either you get into relatively new uh, terms such as you know someone in blockchain or a data scientist or a machine learning specialist, you know those are down towards the the bottom end of of this graph. This doesn't make um, sense. It makes perfect sense to me. They, the machine learning specialists, all they do is write code. But it's such a new. It's more than nine years. Yeah, but people that have got into data science or machine learning have only, again, I think this how is all this R are. as a language, come on. Yes, but how many people were using R back in the day? Too Not many, to be many. honest, but. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think it makes sense. Jon disagrees. Uh, I think it's a weird on graph. On YouTube. <laughs> I think it's a weird graph. All right. What else we got? Uh, kinds of developer roles. Uh, apparently, specialization doesn't pay. That's what I get from yeah. this Yeah, <laughs> full stack, back end, front end, and everything else. But this is more a reflection of what jobs are available, I think, and not what jobs you do. People usually look for full stack developers because then you can put them whatever you want. Mm. If you specialize, you have less of it. Uh, I'm a bit surprised that DevOps specialist is lower because I think there's more DevOps engineers than actual developers in the world at the moment. I mean, somebody has to make all that code work. Sorry. <laughs> Cloud engineers, very still very low, but that might be something that's happening over time, I guess. I don't know. I think that how many people purely think of themselves as cloud engineers? Probably a fairly small number. Oh, these days? Just a cloud engineer? Yeah, I would say that's a reasonably small group. I think most people have far more other alternative things that they think of themselves as rather than just a cloud engineer. Mm, okay. Yeah, it's, but again, people might have to tick to multiple boxes because this does look more than 100%. Yes. So and I think everybody who's in development these days is at least doing something with cloud. Mm -hmm. Ish. 
The good thing is you're in this list twice. You're here as the uh, developer gamer graphics at 3%, and you're also here at the marketing or sales professional at 0.84%. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Moving on, moving on. Um, yeah, geographies. Kind of weird that India is so much higher here than in the previous uh, graph we saw on the, ages of, uh, on the age of coding, but yeah, it just shows how India has uh, really captured that market. In terms of, yeah, number of people there. You can look at all countries. Look at that. How many countries are there? A lot of countries. Hey, look at that, Belgium, 0 0.27. My country people, you need to do better. <laughs> you build, you, you're between China. Oh, China's very low. That's interesting. Mm. I think well, that's survey uh, bias. Yeah, it is. It is. De it definitely is survey bias, and that's that's the thing. Like, uh, I wouldn't read too much into uh, the geography of this once you start getting outside of certain areas where Stack Overflow is popular, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Nepal, how can that be so low? What's the lowest country? Let's see who's, who's the worst of the worst. At 0% we have the Solomon Islands. I think that's just a lack of people. <laughs> I mean, Solomon Islands and Seychelles, like, sorry, I'd rather be there than, than be a developer. How's that? Mm, I wouldn't mind developing if I'm over there. Yeah. So why is it so low over there, people? You don't get it. Oh dear. Age-wise, right. no real surprises, I think. Well, I think this reinforces what I was saying earlier, which is if you look at the the largest percentage is people from twenty-five to thirty-four years old, which means that they were between. 15 to 24 when they started developing if you take the the idea that you know a bit under 10 years or around about 10 years of of software development which again I, I think it reinforces my my thinking that this I think it is survey bias I think it is a lot of the people that are in that you know 25 to 34 years old it's 40 percent of the audience 18 to 24 is another 23 percent and up from there it it sort of tails off pretty rapidly. So I think this this is being informed by people that are very early on in their career. Yeah, because typically at 34, 35, 45, that's when you move up to different roles because you've kind of done this for a while now. So let's see what else is fun. You also have some financial stability probably, your family's in order, so you can take a bit more risk. Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, not entirely Let's look at some thoroughly unsurprising graphs. Yeah, not entirely sure why they actually asked stuff like, what is this one, gender? I mean, what does gender have to do I with mean, how you develop something? This should, I mean, I don't... I think yeah. what they're trying to show is that this is... Diversity lack. lack of I mean, diversity. yes, it is. It is shifting very, very slowly, but it is, yeah, disappointingly yeah. slowly shifting. I mean, development has always been a very male-oriented uh, field. That's definitely true. I mean, this was weird. Actually, has always been. Uh, yes, but for development, I always found it weird because uh, mathematics has always been a a, a, a woman uh, or uh, yeah, a, a woman. Uh, a lot of women did mathematics because that was a cerebral skill you could learn in school. Mm. That happened a lot, and a lot of the development courses kind of came from the mathematics majors. 
So I always wondered why there was not that many women in in, in development. Well, it's yeah. what it is. It is indeed, and the the all the rest of the graphs yeah. paint unfortunately the same very disappointing. Yes, just we need to work on diversity. Yeah, but I, I, we've talked about this in our earlier episodes on uh, yeah. culture and stuff. This is happening very slowly, but at least it yeah. is happening. Yeah. Uh, just scrolling through a bit further here, and we're hitting the technology part. Ah. Indeed. So the most popular technologies here. I'm looking to see all my favorites, of course. The first one we've hit is the programming, scripting, and markup languages. <sighs> Easy at the top. I mean, these are the languages with a low barrier of entry, right? JavaScript, HTML, CSS. It's stuff that people learn young because they're playing with websites and building little mm -hmm. things. And it's easy to start doing that. And then you had SQL. <laughs> yeah, the language that just won't die. SQL has its benefits. I mean, there's so many databases out there. SQL has a right to be there. Yeah. It's just that popularity-wise... Yeah, on the other hand, whenever you're doing something with, with this program, you have to put your data somewhere. And typically, you'll mm -hmm. have a database based on SQL Engine, and mm. you'll use SQL. Now, Python's still very high up there. Of course, Dutch Invention, again, Belgian, but Dutch. I, I live here, so I can I take the win. So it's, a, it's getting more and more popular, Python. I see it more and more all the time. Before, earlier, there was always a complaint that it was slow. That's why I went to C++ and things like that. But these days... Ease of code maintenance is trumping performance of the code in a lot of cases. I'm just glad to see, you know, Java continuing to go down in popularity. Yes, Java, I mean, we'll never get rid of that thing, but God, it's an awful yeah. language. I mean, mm -hmm. even, even after the program is written, the, the stack traces you get from Java are just making the world turn a little bit slower every day through to Added entropy, I think. I don't know. Bash shell is still very high up. Mm. I can't remember the last time I wrote a bash script. I usually try to in Python these days. Yeah, I bash is probably about the bash HTML, tiny, tiny, tiny bit of SQL. That's probably about the limit of my. Uh, my development that I'm capable of actually achieving nowadays. That's C and C++ still popular, not going to go away. Anything embedded is going to help there. It's kind of fun to see that PHP is still more popular than C, but only by a fraction. Mm. C Sharp is something that really went down over time. It was a very, it was a darling of a language at a certain point where it was created, but it hasn't been able to hold on to, its pop to the popularity. Mm. Only at 28% now. And then we got a whole list of uh, newbies on the block and old stuff that has almost reached obsolescence. Things like Go, Rust, Kotlin, Dart. Ruby still hanging on there. I liked Ruby. <laughs> assembly. I, I was kind of wondering, uh, surprised to see Assembly still at higher up than things like R or MATLAB or Lua. I mean, Lua scripting, if you're doing anything with gaming, you should do Lua scripting. Mm-hmm. Assembly. Who is still programming in assembly? Uh, apparently, about uh, you know, nearly 
nearly 6% of people. Yeah, that's the what, not the who. <laughs> <laughs> Is that for punishment? If you, wrote, if you wrote a lot of bugs, now from now on you have to do an assembly or something. You'll write less bugs, oh, but it takes so long to write a program. But look, here's, here's one of my old favorites that uh, I, I could, at least at one point, develop in Perl. 2.31% of people still hacking away in some Perl. <sighs> Perl isn't a software language, it's poetry. I always loved Pearl Poetry. That was fun. Scala, very low down, which is surprising considering that Spark is still quite popular. Yeah, I mean, yes, Spark is popular, but again, this is, this is across all of development. So Yeah, yeah. True, true. Spark is, of course, a niche of machine learning, which is still mm -hmm. only a subset of. Mm -hmm. uh, Objective-C, is that the, the Apple thing? I have no idea. I think so. Only 2%. Yes, I like it. Fortran. Engineers unite around Fortran. 0.91%. <laughs> Even higher than COBOL still. COBOL has 0.6%. Yeah. I'm assuming Crystal. That's Crystal Reports. <laughs> Probably. Oh my God. People are still writing Crystal Reports. That is so sad. Anyway. Moving on. Yeah. Moving on, let's move on to something far more interesting. Databases. Says the guy who just dissed on SQL. I know, but databases are things that I understand, sort of, ish, kind of, from an infrastructure perspective anyway. Yes, but they're still made And this is, I, I still think this is kind of interesting because MySQL, still the most popular database, uh, and still significantly more popular than MariaDB. 46.8% of people, MySQL, MariaDB, down at 17.93%. Um, yeah, I think that's a bit of a uh, professional users versus hobby, because if you want a support contract, then yeah, MySQL is part of the Oracle behemoth, so I guess mm -hmm. you have more of identification, things like that, so you will like that more. MariaDB. I, I don't I don't think it is that. I really don't. Because SQLite has thirty two percent. Like there's there's no Yeah, but yeah, SQLite I, is more of a necessity. It needs to be lightweight, it needs to be embedded somewhere so you can't use a real yeah. engine and SQL SQLite is still better than uh, Berkeley DB. So which isn't even on here, true. I think. Berkeley DB isn't even on the list. Horrible, horrible. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> but that could also be um So it's more of a necessity there, right? But I always think that they should have MySQL and MariaDB on one line. I mean, because it's the same thing. If I'm looking at technology, it's what am I using? If you're comparing MySQL and MariaDB with Postgres uh, SQL, that's a different way of doing. Post Postgres SQL is a different kind of SQL, a different kind. The, the way the thing is built, the way you write your code is different, inherently different from the others. The, if you compare it with Redis, with Cassandra, Neo4j, those are different technologies. MariaDB and MySQL, in my opinion, are different implementations of the exact same technology. So, I mean, they're all just implementations of databases. Why not just have one big line? Are you using no, a database? No, Neo4j yes, is no. a graph DB. MySQL <laughs> is not a graph DB. Those are totally different things. You're going to write a traversal, database. A traversal <laughs> query is totally different from SQL. So, no, that's different. But you can write the exact same SQL code and it'll work exactly the same in MySQL and MariaDB. So I still think that if you look at technology and not brands, products, they should group them together. Because that would mean that that brand of SQL is like twice as popular than uh, Postgres SQL, which surprises me. Because Postgres, I was always feeling that that was really growing more and more and more. Because it's a lot more robust than uh, MySQL is. 
hot takes from Jan. The database wars. Oh, I, I hate Postgres. I never use it because it, I'm too dumb for it. I like my MariaDB because it's simple. Select star from database and that, it, that's what it does. And again, if you're a developer, you don't care because you just have all that ADO.net and whatever. You have these abstraction layers on top of it and you don't, you don't even write SQL anymore. Why be performant? Oops, sorry, didn't say that. <laughs> moving on, moving on. Not gonna hit, hit on Oracle fronting. for being 10%. Oh, dear. Get, um, Oracle being beat by MariaDB, yes. <sighs> right, let's, let's talk about something far more interesting. I was being oh, sarcastic I when I said databases were interesting. Oh, it's the sarcasm doesn't work for me. I believe my co-host. Clearly. Uh, so the, the interesting thing for me here is that it's not surprising, first off, that uh, AWS is still the, mm. the number one first here. What I think is surprising is how close Azure and Google Cloud are. 28% uh, mm. Microsoft Azure, 26%, nearly 27% Google Cloud. And how does it surprise you? I think it wasn't too many years ago that um, you would see AWS being roughly two-thirds, sorry, AWS being sort of almost all, Azure being two-thirds, Google Cloud being one-third, like roughly. And to see Google Cloud having caught up This is not revenue, Azure, right? This is people using it. No, no, this is people using it. And if you're doing something with YouTube, you'll be using Google Cloud. So any kind of media uh, house. Yeah, is but, doing but stuff this is. Cloud. Yeah, I don't think this, that, that's what this is testing, though. Is it? This is people. What are you developing on slash against? Mm, okay, I guess I can. Yeah, I can take <laughs> that. So yeah, I I do think it's. It's, it wasn't too many years ago that Google Cloud was very much seen as a, an also-ran. And I do also think that it's interesting how low AWS is now on that. Like only, only 50%. Only just, yeah, only just over 50%. Um, yeah, but, well, they had the early mover, early adopter advantage, but they also had all the mm -hmm. negatives from it. They kind of... Uh, rested in their laurels, is that, is that the way you say it? They, they, yeah, they didn't yeah. innovate, they just thought they were, uh, nobody can hit us anymore, we're the best, and we don't have to do have to work at it anymore. It's always a bad thing. And yeah. of course, it's always a lot more effective if you have a, a, a goal to reach. I mean, that's why in, in, in cycling, the, the, the guy who's running at the, at the front, he's got the hardest job because he has nobody to chase. Microsoft and Google have been able to have had that AWS target to chase all the time and that doesn't uh, yeah give them incentive i guess yeah and then you know we can also have a little chuckle at ibm cloud and watson at 1.68 percent yeah i mean watson shouldn't be in cloud i guess but apparently ibm is now branding that together maybe i don't know but hey i mean they're still almost as big as oracle cloud <laughs> and still OpenStack is larger so Hey. Even though OpenStack is larger than IBM Cloud. Oracle Cloud mm -hmm. is uh, slightly ahead of OpenStack still. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> All right. And yeah, now small. we're getting now we're getting into the next section where I have literally nothing to to contribute. So if, if you want to talk about any of these next sections, please feel free to. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go too much. I mean, monologue from Jon is not that fun, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> things that kind of annoyed me, to be honest, is that Angular and AngularJS are so low here because that was kind of the darling of the industry at some point. And React is a lot higher now. We're going to also going to see some graphs on what people like and don't like to work with. And things to remember here is that jQuery is very high up at the stuff that is being used. And you'll see that people hate it. <laughs> it's just kind of interesting to see uh, if, you, if we kind of combine all these together now that it's not because people use it that they actually choose to use it. A lot of the decision making apparently the tools are being used are being delivered top down which might not be a good thing. I don't know. I mean, not necessarily delivered top down, but it could also be um, a historical, yeah, a historical legacy. Like, oh God, we've got this giant code base. We hate it, but like no one's got the time, effort, money to go and refactor it slash rewrite it all in something else. So I guess we're stuck with it. Yeah, of course, there's also a correlation between these and the languages deleted because Laravel, for example, is hugely popular, enormously popular amongst PHP developers who aren't that many anymore. So that's also a reason why Laravel is a kind of low down. The bottom ones I've never heard of, to be honest. So just moving it on here, libraries, yeah, .NET is still high, obviously. It's a bit of a weird combination here because things like NumPy and Pandas those are machine learning things, very high up. Well, early we saw that machine learning was very low down. We were talking about niche things, but this stuff is used a lot, apparently. .NET, yeah, it's a big thing. It does work well, I guess. Uh, Scikit-learn, also high up there. TensorFlow, again, it's specifically machine learning. So your argument from earlier that machine learning is a niche, so it doesn't, doesn't come up that high, they're at the top here. Well, it's still only 12 point whatever percent. Uh, well, it's the one, two, three, four, five, fifth uh, at the top, so... <laughs> Yeah, but I think that just, I don't know, to me, that just means that a lot of people aren't really using other frameworks and libraries. Well, Keras was the the idea, the Keras came with the idea to, to make one machine learning language rule them all or something like that, a neural network language. Oh, good. And now we have one more standard. Uh, that already predicted. Keras said, no, it's going to be different. But uh, looking at 7% here, so I guess that uh, just happened. <laughs> Batch of Spark at 5%. Hey, Hadoop at 3.45%. <laughs> Yeah, it's also a weird thing to see in the list of what is this frameworks and libraries. It's Hadoop a framework. It's a library. Uh, MapReduce is a library. Hadoop is not a library, right? Yeah, but people like to conflate these things together. Can we just have a quick call out to the fact that there is actually apparently a framework or library called Hugging Face Transformers? Uh, Hugging Face is actually very, very popular. Hugging Face is a bunch of machine learning models that you can download. A lot of people are doing stuff with natural language processing, for example. Building those models yourself is very hard to do because you need a lot of information, a lot of data to build that stuff. And Hugging Face is kind of an online site where you can download pre-built models that people can play around with. So yeah, Hugging Face is actually quite well known in the industry, to be honest. Well, it's, it's only 2.02%, but all I'm picturing is... <laughs> Uh, a xenomorph face hugger uh, crossed, <laughs> crossed with a transformer. I so, don't uh, think that's the branding they had in mind. I think it's like a very sunny face, uh, a bit more like a, a, a logo behind you there. <laughs> oh, that's very disappointing. I'm not interested in that, unfortunately. <laughs> I was thinking more of the Uno platform. I mean, who knew that uh, the little card game was a technology stack? Oh, I thought it was the Fiat Uno. I thought people were developing on the uh, on the Fiat Uno. <laughs> that's so not electric yet, so it doesn't weird. work. Well, no, it's a, it's a crappy, very crappy car. 
Anyway, moving on to other tools. Uh, kind of surprised that Kubernetes is so, is so low and NPM, Node Package Manager, is at the top. I mean, it mm. did get a lot of publicity this year because the developers NPM did kind of did some wake up cries for funding <laughs> in not always yeah. good ways. I'm not. I'm not really that surprised no, that Kubernetes is, oh, is, uh, is lower because Docker is so high, and like more developers would be directly developing against yeah. Docker and Docker containers, and then they <laughs> throw it over to the SREs or the the DevOps engineers to worry about how it actually runs on Kubernetes. Yeah, but Kubernetes is going away from Docker. They're using Podman now. So that correlation, maybe it is the, I built my Docker container and infrastructure, it's your problem to get it running somewhere. But mm -hmm. these days, if you're doing Kubernetes, you should be kind of a modern company. So DevOps should yeah. be in your DNA. But we know that uh, the, world, the world shifts slowly. One that surprised me here is having Yarn in position three. I mean, Yarn is the scheduler from the two. Yeah. Who is... Putting, who is developing directly against Yarn? That must be niche, I would say. Maybe, it's, it's maybe. It's way higher than Kubernetes, even. Yeah, that I find particularly strange. Maybe there's another Yarn out there. But you'll have to leave whether or not another Yarn exists for another episode. Because we're wrapping this one right here. In that case, I think it's my turn to say that that is all the time we have for today. You can support this podcast. Please become a patron. We have a lot of patrons already, and they do help us put out this quality service to, her, to the community. Can I say that? Well, I just did. You're on YouTube. It's definitely for, this episode, definitely for episodes like this. It's very useful to have the screen in front of you, and so you can see the graphs you're talking about. But if you're not, we'll still keep on doing the MP3, of course, as well, because the podcast is still the origin and will always be there, I think. Apart from that, uh, you can go to www.roadingapps.org. There's links to the Patreon page, to the YouTube page, and a lot of information on the podcast. You can go follow us on Twitter using the Roaring Elephant tag, and you can send feedback, feedback by email and some links, uh, linguistic lessons for me, to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, I promise I can talk. Jon. And my name is Spinning a Yarn Dave. Two yarns, I guess. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Bye-bye. See you then.